Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Boss Files listeners, a little something special for you today, a crossover pod with my dear friend, Rebecca Jarvis. You know her as ABC News' chief business correspondent and the host of her No Limits podcast. What you probably don't know, unless this is our moms listening, hi mom, is that we both grew up in Minnesota and went to Montessori school together when we were four years old. But it wasn't until our paths crossed again, reporting here in New York City, that we reconnected more than a decade ago. When you grow up in Minnesota and anybody, wherever you've grown up, if you happen to find yourself, I think, in a major city, when you're in that major city and then you meet someone from your hometown. Totally. It's an immediate connection. I have watched Rebecca grow so much over the years as a fellow journalist and as a mother. I admire her deeply and I've learned a lot from her from how she navigates her demanding job to being an amazing mother. I think that life is both long and short. And so there are always going to be, for me, one thing is starting things. You know, I like to build things. And I think that's why, and I, I, I know you're the same way. That's why you started Boss Files. That's why I started No Limits. That's why I worked on The Dropout. I feel excited when I'm charting a new course. We also talk a lot about growing up in the Midwest and how that shaped both of us personally and professionally. It's a special friendship, and I am deeply grateful for it. After this episode, you can head over to Rebecca's No Limits podcast, where she interviews me and flips the mic. This is very exciting, Rebecca Jarvis. Poppy Harlow. Am I your only friend that calls you Rebecca? You're my only friend. Ever? Is that it? (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, I'm so excited to have you here and to get to do this with someone I cherish and call a dear, dear friend. So let's go back old school to Minnesota. Represent. Five years old. You and I are in Montessori school together at Lake Country. They called it Children's House. Is that what they called That's it? That's what they called the yeah, the classroom experience at five. And you dug up a photo recently of us at your birthday? Yeah. Fourth birthday? Something like that. Yeah. It was so cute. <laughs> so we didn't really know that we knew each other back in the day when we re-met. So remind people how we re-met about a, de- a decade ago. Yeah. We were wild wow. and free and childless. <laughs> that was pre-kids. So, okay, so Poppy and I, we go way back to Minnesota. We grew up, we, we started our lives kind of together in this Montessori school. And then we went separate ways. Poppy went to a school called Blake. I stayed at a school called Lake Country. And suddenly we're both in New York. I was working for CNBC at the time. Were you at CNN I was or just Forbes? At CNN. CNN. Maybe Forbes. I don't know. It was long ago. Yeah. So Poppy was at CNN. I'm at CNBC. And we're at this place in New York called the NASDAQ, which you may have seen on television before. It's basically... It's basically a TV set, frankly, where people talk about stocks. Yeah. And so we're both sitting in these t- 
tiny, tiny little cubicles that are smaller than the room we're sitting in right now. And I happened to overhear this voice in the background that said something. I think you said something about Minnesota. (laughs) And it was like, wait. Minnesota in New York City? Or I just had a thick accent. Yeah, right. One of the two. Well, either way, it was like this this light bulb went off because when you grow up in Minnesota and anybody, wherever you've grown up, if you happen to find yourself, I think, in a major city, when you're in that major city and then you meet someone from your hometown. Totally. It's an immediate connection. So it was this crazy moment of like, oh, my God, we used to be in children's house House together together. (laughs) um and since then it's been amazing because you and i have now this is more than a decade later and we've both grown in our careers Mm -hmm. and i think it's i i mean we had not seen each other for years at that point but it's this great thing where we can now turn to each other and say does this make sense yep um i'm dealing with this issue or my boss said this or this happened at work and i you said cherish at the beginning, like that is such an important thing that I cherish mm-hmm. and I cherish our friendship so much. Me too. And the fact that we like swap, you should see what we're wearing because the dress that <laughs> Becky's wearing, I'm going to go really shallow here. I saw her wearing and I bought it like the next day. And now the skirt that I'm wearing, she's going to go buy this afternoon. And they're both from Zara. Avi. They didn't actually um, give us any money to say <laughs> no, that. No, they did but... not. We can't take that. But on the real, I think that What's been so unique for me about this friendship is that it's been a personal and a professional one in Mm -hmm. that you have helped me grow more than anyone else in in terms of all of my friendships uh, in my career and really standing up for myself. And then also personally, whether it's in my marriage or being a mother and becoming a mother. So I am. I am grateful for that. I am too. You're going to make me cry, Poppy. <laughs> it's okay. No one's watching. They're just listening. So let's let's begin there, actually, because I think so many interviews. And so, you know, the first question at a cocktail party is, what do you do? So I, I prefer to ask you, Rebecca, who are you and what makes you smile? Hmm. Well, first and foremost, the first word that came to mind now in my life is mom. And I feel like that's something you and I also share where we're really deeply passionate about our work. But being moms, wives is also really important to us. And when you said what makes you smile, I pictured my daughter Isabel's face because it's like the thing right now. Sweet Izzy. Sweet Izzy. She's she. um, Yeah, it was such a journey as you know, and I, some of the listeners of No Limits have heard a little bit about it, but mm-hmm. it was, it took a long time to become a mom. And I think I speak only for myself here, but for me, I think in many ways that made it sweeter. And I don't know what it would have been like if I had become a mom overnight or if it was something that was easier for my husband and I and less of a journey to get to. But knowing myself, I'm not saying that I would have taken it for granted if it happened right away for us, but I am saying that now I absolutely don't. And I I look at my daughter and I see the importance of our relationship and what she means and she the whole thing, her, our relationship, my husband's relationship with her, our relationship as a family. It's all been so clarifying hmm. about life and what really matters to me. Clarifying about life. That's a beautiful way to say it, and it's exactly right. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to go a little deeper than you have before on your journey there, because I feel like we were, I was trying to hold your hand along that journey as much as I could. Um, 
People don't talk enough about how hard it is. They don't post Instagram pictures of their heartbreak. Yeah. So you have the wonderful husband, Matt, who I've known for also Minnesotan. (laughs) And, uh, And you guys decide you want to become parents. And then it's challenging, mm-hmm. but then it gets really challenging. What did you go through? Um, well, and I really haven't talked a lot about this. And part of the reason I haven't talked about it is not because I'm ashamed or because I think it's wrong or even that I did something wrong. Although I have to say that back when it originally happened, there were moments where I feared that I had done something. You, did, um, you didn't. Thank you. Just keep reminding yourself. Um, I had a miscarriage early uh, or actually late in a pregnancy in my first pregnancy. And it was probably the most devastating thing that's ever happened um, in our lives. My husband and I loved this being, this human that was supposed to come into our lives and it also occurred after we had been trying for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I had, I've talked about this before, but I had, we had been going through IVF and it was, it was earth shattering. And honestly, the only reason that I can even talk about it now is because I feel in some ways like I'm on the other side of it with Isabel. Yeah. And you made this point about Instagram and the world that we put forward yep. and I mean, I do think it's so important for people to recognize that Instagram is sort of the highlight reel and not the reality. But I also, for me, honesty and sharing with people is an important thing to me. But at that moment in my life, it was just so raw and so vulnerable that for me, in that moment, I chose what was best for me, which yeah. was to share it with people like you and dear friends and, and my husband. And I'm so thankful that I had you and my husband and so many incredible humans, my family and my life that helped me. Um, and and to be honest, uh, a therapist yeah. who I found at that point in my life, I had never been in therapy before. And I talked to this woman and she really helped me. Um, and something you know i never want to tell other people what to do especially in that situation because it is so deeply personal but for Mm me um the therapist that i ended up finding and actually she wasn't the first one i talked to a number of people at the time because i was so upset and i really it was like being pregnant was like this rose colored everything everything looked better the whole world looked more exciting to me i was a happier human and then suddenly in an instant that was taken taken away away. stolen yeah and i just didn't know at that time i I honestly had no idea at that time whether i would ever be happy again really people should know if we're being very candid here your amazing therapist is a gift you've given me (laughs) true story we don't go together But I go too, and it's it's been my investment in myself over the last year. When you are a parent and working, everything goes to everyone else, and it's a way to take time for, you know, for for your sort of soul nourishing. But Rebecca, what you know, I'll never forget. We went after you, you and Matt went through the the tragedy of losing your first child. Um, we went to a little 
cafe right near here, mm-hmm. and we had lunch. And I, like, it's like you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say. And I said to my husband, I'm sending her flowers. He said, well, this isn't the, like, time to send her flowers. Like, you, you, you need to just, like, be with her. And he mm-hmm. was so right. And what has always struck me, and I don't know if I fully told you, but is the grace with which you handled this. Never once, never once did you say, why me? I would have said, why me, why us? So where did that come from? Where did that strength come from and that lack of self-pity? Well, I don't want to suggest that there wasn't self-pity because there were moments where, like back to this idea that I really felt that the happiness that I, like it was so close that was now gone and I wasn't sure if I would ever have that opportunity again. It was such a, a a difficult blow. And I have like, as we're talking, I have all these images of myself in various moments in time after that happened where I was out doing something. Maybe it was work related. Maybe it was even something I was looking forward to. And mm-hmm. it was always in the background. And I don't. I'm sure that along the way there were why me moments, but I do think I think that part of what got me through was being surrounded by incredible people. For me, um, I'm Jewish and my faith was important Mm -hmm. as well, um, along with my family. And to be honest, there's it, it might sound silly, but there was there's a dance class that I happened to find around that time in my life. And I used to dance as a kid and I found this dance class and there were a number of women, Lindsay Janice, who yes. used to work here with me at ABC and Heatha Herzog, who's another friend of ours who went to this dance class with me at the time and somehow um, the physical activity and refinding this thing that I loved as a kid mm-hmm. and, and participating in it was really helpful to me. Now, if someone had said to me, go to dance class, to you're going to feel class. better. I would have actually probably resented that at the of time. Course. Um, and in fact, um, I have to say, No one said anything to me at the time where I was angry with them or I resented it. But I am now extremely cautious when other people are going through that moment Mm -hmm. that things that you think might help aren't aren't they're They're not the they're not Not a solution and they're not the answer. And the sad part about that experience is that there is no silver bullet Mm -hmm. and everybody who cares for you wants there to be. And they would love to be able to just snap their fingers and solve everything. But it's not that simple. And I think one thing that that moment really taught me was the importance of just being there for other people and holding them and hugging them and loving them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I used to be afraid when people would go through hard times that I was going to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes instead of doing anything, I would do nothing. And I learned in that experience that you wrote me a note. There were a number of friends who wrote me really thoughtful things. I learned in that experience that rather than worrying about doing the wrong thing, to just 
do something, do something and tell someone that you care about them. And that is incredibly yeah. powerful. You know, I remember Sheryl Sandberg saying something similar after she mm. lost her husband, yeah. Dave, that at Facebook, people like were scared to come up to her because they don't know what to say. Right. And she said, just say like, it's OK. Like you can say something and talk about it. Right. And I. And I don't, by the way, anybody who didn't do that for me, I don't harbor any anger towards them either. I wasn't thinking like that. Right. And I don't think like that. And so, but I think for me, the most valuable thing that it taught me about Mm -hmm. having gone through that was to not be afraid of doing the wrong thing and to just give in those situations, if someone that you love and care about is going through something to be there for them and that's okay. So now you have this joy. Izzy. She's, she is she's, a joy. <laughs> she's the best. Izzy I'm came, so thankful. Izzy came to Good Morning America today. It's true. I got a call from GMA. And this is, I mean. Your life. In the, this is our life. This is our life. You know what this is like too, Poppy. Yeah, you but do you this get all it the even time. more because you get called like middle. I used to be have that middle of the night, like go. Sure. You know? Sure. I just wake up in the middle of the night. Right. You, you wake up every day in the middle of the night. But so this morning I got a call from GMA and this is the real life of being a journalist. Got a you mean call? it's not just like getting your hair and makeup done and reading the teleprompter? No. Not exactly. Why? No. I mean, look, there are there are benefits, little nice benefits sure. that a lot of us get to enjoy. And I, I don't take that for granted either. However, got the call 445 this morning. My husband um, and I usually like we figure out yes. the night before who's going to watch her before one of us goes to work yep. and then go from there. Anyway, this morning turned out my husband had a meeting that was already scheduled. I was getting asked to go to GMA on some breaking news. So I took her with me in the car. And guess what? I was it was like I almost asked Matt to to skip his meeting this morning. And then I was like, you know, rip this bandaid off. This is going to happen at some point anyway. hundred percent. And thank goodness that I work in a place and I know you do, too, Poppy, where the people are awesome. And not one person said, why is your kid here this morning? In fact, I was like being apologetic. I'm so sorry. And they were all like, what are you talking about? Like, bring her by. When is she hanging out with me? When do I get to hold her? Love that. Snuggle. I mean, whose morning does it not make better? Truly. So is he seven months now? Yep. Seven Seven months. months. What has been the biggest surprise of motherhood? Well, I think the biggest lifestyle change of motherhood is that you are truly on 24-7. There is no off. Um, but I I think that the it's not really a surprise because people talk about how much of a game change it is and all of that. But feeling it and hearing it are two different things. And for me, I, I just... I honestly feel like my best self. I feel like the happiest I've ever felt in my entire life. And you like radiate it. You glow. You. you glow it. I Thanks. mean, you're the one that's like, hey, want to go to this event tonight? You're like, got motherhood, check, <laughs> job, check, event, check. I'm very impressed. Thank you. It's not that I don't want to make it out like it's simple because it's really not. And I, I, by the way, um, I feel incredibly fortunate to look I have we have a nanny. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow grow up with nope. a nanny. Both my parents worked growing up. My sister and I were in daycare mm-hmm. and my mom worked part time in those early years with us. And 
I I often think about that, about how fortunate we are mm-hmm. and that I want Isabel to appreciate how I fortunate think, she is. I don't think we talk enough as working parents about uh, the people that make it possible. Right. Because those people are those that care for our children when we are at work. And at least in my opinion, it is so much harder than my day job. Mm, and it yeah. is so much more important, frankly, to, to, to keep, you know, to take care of this little precious life. So yeah. the, a lot of credit to endless credit <laughs> to the people that allow us to do what we want to do. So that's motherhood <laughs> in <Check>. a nutshell. <laughs> no, I mean, it, 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 at least for me, it, it, is infused into everything I do. It's it's always a part of you. It's not fragmented, right? 100%. To me, there's no like work-life balance. It's like, like the constant juggle. More from our Boss Files No Limits crossover episode after the break. I want to share with people a little bit more about you and how you got here. And I think what I love is if people haven't read or watched your commencement speech, you gave a commencement oh, speech at your thanks. alma mater this year. And remember when we, after we went to the dance class together, yes. we were talking about your commencement speech over coffee and I was like blown away at how good it was. By the way, if I ever have to do one of those, will you write mine? Please, It's Poppy. very good. You it's, will write yours and it will be phenomenal. It's very good. And I good. know that there will be many in your future. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and and like weave in the stories of of your life that got you there because oh it, it's gosh. lessons or i have to one try or two and remember fa- the lessons one or you two know? of your favorites okay um oh my gosh okay well one of my one of my favorites honestly is ignore the end game and i i mean that in the sense of anybody who's listening to this boss files podcast you already care about your career. You're listening to this because Poppy is the best and she does a phenomenal job interviewing CEOs and executives and world leaders who have made an incredible life for themselves and who have had remarkable experiences in your, in my opinion, trying to learn from some of those experiences and also trying to understand what they think. And Poppy helps you get to the bottom of that. So anyone who is listening right now, I take it that you already care a lot about your life. You're 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 not somebody where I have to say to you, um, try harder. Get off the couch. Right, exactly. And and that's why I said ignore the end game in the U Chicago speech, because I figured that most people who are at U Chicago are probably thinking a lot about the end game mm-hmm. most of the time. And in my experience, one of the things outside of my family and my daughter that I consider to be um, that I feel most proud of is uh, another podcast called The Dropout and yes. a, an investigative project that my producer Taylor Dunn um, worked with me on who's Woo-hoo, sitting Taylor. just on the other side of the glass and she's great and and another incredible producer here Victoria Thompson and but it started the way that it started was as a passion project. Yeah. I so the the dropout for those of you who aren't familiar with it is about Theranos. It's about Elizabeth Holmes, her rise and fall. At one point, she was the youngest female self-made billionaire, and it all came crashing down. Can I just plug for a minute? By the way, this got sold as a big TV series. Kate McKinnon is going to play her. Thank like, you. It's pretty fun. Effing deal. <laughs> it's pretty pretty fun, I have to say. And but that all see, okay, yes. You look at all of that and that is kind of what the end game is. And it continues. 
But you had but no idea. But I didn't idea. have any idea about that. In fact, did you I, have to fight to get it done? As as most worthy projects, <laughs> yes, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of interest in the beginning. In fact, when I first started looking at this story, there was a big election going on. And actually, it was it was a little before the election. But there was this big election that was taking up most the oxygen in the room. And so not everyone was immediately sold on this idea that I was going to investigate this story. And so Taylor and I, as we started We were by the skin of our teeth. We were going to get this thing done. So every time I was I'm we're based in New York. Every time I would travel to the West Coast, I would seek out the sources for for different stories. Yeah, we'd be on other stories, but it would be like, hey, we're going to be here. Um, Talk to us. And we thank goodness for public libraries where we found public libraries where we could interview people for free in the public library. Thank you to my sister, Lauren, who let us use her her apartment apartment in L.A. LA as a place that we recorded some of these interviews. Right. And so in the early days, there, you know, to be honest, wasn't a huge amount of interest until there was. And when the SEC came in mm-hmm. and when the DOJ came in with charges, all of a sudden, this story, which had been kind of quiet and off at least some people's radars for a while, mm-hmm. suddenly became fascinating to people here and to people in many places. And frankly, it was because we had started this project and just pursued it for the love of it, mm-hmm. for the pure interest of it, that we were at the point we, we obtained these deposition tapes, which were key because they were the first time that you had heard from Elizabeth Holmes in her own words, responding to the accusations and how the did, allegations. How did you get those? Oh, my I know gosh. you can't reveal your sources, but well, how hard was it to get those? It was it took so much asking. And and again, to the team's credit, Taylor's looking up the the amount of time that we spent asking every single source that we spoke to um, the the actual obtaining of the tapes, (laughs) the day that we got the tapes. So we were we were we happened to be interviewing someone who told us that he had access and he could give them to us. We it was three of us, Taylor, Victoria and I were in Palo Alto. The tapes were in Berkeley. And that's a long way away mm-hmm. for people who don't know. And this is all going to sound silly, but we knew that we needed to get the tapes that day right. at that time. Yeah. So Taylor raced to Berkeley to get the tapes. We had another interview that we raced to complete. We were on the phone with our legal and standards department, making sure that everything was kosher mm-hmm. and that we could get. I mean, it was just Physically, it was actually a feat in the end. But, <laughs> but thank goodness it. for those tapes. Thank goodness for our intrepid Taylor Dunn <laughs> um, going to Berkeley and um, sitting in traffic. Crazy, crazy traffic. But it, I mean, obviously, the good thing you didn't leave those tapes on the plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you. Like, technology is not the it, technology failed us in many ways as well. I can imagine. Um, by the way. I had another shoot. We had another shoot in San Francisco. Our car was broken into I and somebody this. stole Your all of gear. our stuff, everything. So oh we had to repeat the shoot at night after. Yeah. But those tapes, but anyway. those tapes, but the tapes were OK. Hallelujah. Coming up, I asked Rebecca what she would do if she were not a journalist. That's next. One thing I'd love to I think I I know a little bit about your daily day to day and the day job and no limits, but I don't think our listeners know that. So what is a typical 
day in the life of being the chief business and economics correspondent at ABC News and the host and creator of No Limits and The Dropout and a favorite No Limits moment. Oh, wow. So many. Okay. So first of all, life doing all of these various wearing these various hats. Um, Generally speaking, I start my day with Good Morning America. So I usually leave my apartment around 5.45 yeah. and go to GMA. And whatever I'm covering that morning, generally, I've already worked on the night before. But sometimes it happens to come up that morning. So I'm working on it in transit. <laughs> Maybe I'm making some phone calls, sending emails to sources, that kind of thing. Go in, get made up, do GMA. Post GMA, I usually have a little bit of downtime. So with that's that, when you go dancing. That's when I go dancing, and I also go see my daughter. Yeah, um, now, and that's when you go. When you said that's when you go dancing, I'm like picturing myself at a bar on the bar. Yeah, <laughs> which does not happen anymore. Yeah, especially not in the middle of the morning. Um, <laughs> I don't have a problem. You guys should have known her in college. You guys, I have a problem. I'm here to tell you about it. Okay. (laughs) But I don't. Uh, Okay. So at that time, I go hang out with Isabel oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll exercise oftentimes. And then I start taking meetings Mm -hmm. mid-morning or going on shoots, Mm -hmm. doing no limits. Yeah. Uh, Then after that, I usually travel uptown to the office where we're sitting right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And get ready for world news if there is a world news story for the night. And that's around 630. Mm-hmm. And then um, talk to David Muir a few times, figure out what they're looking for for the night. Do that and then head home. Favorite no limits moment. This one right now. Oh, come on. It's going to be it's going to be your Epic. interview. A hundred percent. Poppy um, Harlow. No. All right. Another one. That one doesn't count. Yeah, I'm serious, and I know this is kind of a cop-out, but there isn't one moment. I think what it, the number one thing in the way that I feel about No Limits, and I know it's mm-hmm. we've talked about this with your feelings towards Boss Files, I love that the conversation can breathe. I love that we can have a Ugh. really... There, there's more depth here and mm-hmm. we can have our random oh we're gonna get we're gonna head over here you know way off left well out in left field and have a conversation over here and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna have a serious conversation we're gonna laugh i just for me that is nourishing and i hope it is for our listeners too but that's the thing like i'm constantly surprised and i also i do love it and i'm sure you love this too when people look at you and say I've never told anyone this before. Oh, it's the best. And you're like, yeah, keep going. Seriously. So let's talk about whether or not you have ever thought about walking away. Mm, from this job. Well, from, from, yeah, this, from business, this business. Being a journalist. Not ABC. We know you love it. It's perfect. But <laughs> but I mean, it's like sometimes I have these like dreams about living on a farm in Minnesota. Do you really? Uh huh. We can Would get, you we actually can get into do that, that? We can Poppy? get into. I'm I'm interviewing you. But we can really, get, yes. Are you going to milk a cow for a living? I've done it. You yeah, so well, much so about I. me. You I'm don't not, know. I'm not saying milking a cow. I didn't say run a farm. I I'm said just curious about you. Haven't you seen those beautiful shabby chic farms? Oh, that's maybe, what it maybe. is. But I mean, truly, <laughs> we can get into that on no limits okay. when you interview okay. me. Okay. But have you ever seriously thought about walking away? Um. I think there's always going to be, if you're an ambitious, motivated person, 
I think there's always going to be this sort of hmm, scenarios like, huh, is that interesting? You know, my parents were just in town and we were talking about this trip that we took to New York mm-hmm. on our for like a family vacation that we came here for. It was one. It was the first time I was in New York and I was laughing because um, the UNGA just just happened. And I was laughing because I remembered when we visited the UN and I was like, oh, I want to be a diplomat. And then the next day we visited the New York Stock Exchange and I said, oh, I want to be a trader. And then the next day we (laughs) went and saw Rent and I was like, I want to be a Broadway performer. (laughs) So the point in me sharing that is I grew up having a lot of different interests. And one of the things that I have loved about this job is that it is it feels like something of a combination of those interests, you know, Mm You and I, we've both been to the U.N. and interviewed people there and obviously spent a lot of time at the New York Stock Exchange and even on Broadway um, interviewing people. So I love that this job allows me to taste a lot of different things. And I think I, I think that life is both long and short. And so there are always going to be. For me, things that I, I, I one thing is starting things, you know, I like to build things. Yeah. And I think that's why and I, I, I know you're the same way. That's why you started Boss Files. That's why I started No Limits. That's why I worked on the dropout. I feel excited when I'm charting a new course. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me. At this point, what I've figured out is how to chart that course inside of ABC News in a big company. And we talk about this, too, on No Limits. And, you know, being an intrapreneur instead of an entrepreneur has a lot of benefits. You're not necessarily having to build all the framework. Mm -hmm. You have office space. You're not risking it all. You're not risking everything. Um, And there's there's a lot of benefit to that. So. At this point, I've really enjoyed being in a position to build things. Uh, But of course, that has a limit to it, because when you're working for somebody else and ultimately that person is the arbiter of your whether or not you can or can't do things. It's great that ABC News has been so Mm -hmm. open to me being entrepreneurial. Um, But when you come up against that every once in a while red tape, of course, that's going to be a question of. Ah, I believe in this thing. I believe so much I would stake my life and my career on it if I can't build this. And luckily, I haven't had to have that yeah. existential crisis. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like it. It we don't come close at times where you really have to sell bosses on something that you believe in, but they're mm-hmm. new to it. Mm-hmm. But you've done that successfully. Thank you. Time goodness. and time again. Hallelujah. So we... Uh, a few months ago over the summer when we were home in Minnesota, we were out to dinner with a bunch of friends and someone was like, let's play a game. I was like, oh, no, what game? And they <laughs> said, you have to answer if you didn't do this, what would you do? And it can't be oh. the same job. It can't be like, oh, everything's perfect. I would do this. And money is not an issue. Uh huh. So that's that's what the game is. So, <laughs> Rebecca, if you didn't do this. What would you do? So I have two answers to that. Okay. The the fun answer, and I mean this a, a huge, I do mean this, I would work at Sephora. Definitely. Because I love makeup and products. You'd be great <laughs> and, saleswoman. And my husband and I actually, so Matt, in, I, 
it made it into his wedding vows that if we passed a Sephora, that we would go in if I if I wanted to, because that's how much I love Sephora. Okay, <laughs> so that's one. And then the the other is something entrepreneurial. I don't. The thing is, I've always said this about a company mm-hmm. or books. If I'm starting a company or if I'm writing a book, it's because I deeply believe in the company. It's because I deeply want to do that specific thing. It's not just for the sake of starting Mm -hmm. a company, just like it is with books. If I have something I really want to say, I would write a book. Are you writing a book? Not right now. Will you? Maybe. I have ideas. Can you share one? Oh my gosh. See, you know who asked me this actually? Sarah Haynes asked me about a title for a book. We love this woman. Yes, Sarah, a mutual friend of ours who's phenomenal. Um, I don't have any good titles. Like The Dropout was the the best title (laughs) ever. So, all right, to be continued. How are you at saying no? Because that was the biggest shock for me with motherhood is how much I had to start saying no. It's been very clarifying. to, like I said before, motherhood allows you to say no, I think, in ways. And thank goodness for this moment. And it's I'm sure right. it, I know it doesn't work that way for everyone. So I speak as someone who I consider myself to be highly fortunate that I can say no. And it does mean something to the powers that be inside of the company that I work for. But I believe I've gotten a lot better at saying no now in motherhood than I was previously. And I think that it's because I understand that my daughter is a priority. And in some ways, the the kind of sad thing is that if it was me, I would not make my pre pre Isabel. If the no was because of me and my needs, then that's not a priority. So I give the wiggle room to whomever is asking Um, and usually that ends up being me sort of rolling with it and making it work. And, you know, that word, no, I I do think it's a really important thing. And I think it's critical in your career, but I also think that yes is a really important word Mm. too. And I think we're in this moment in time where setting boundaries and being explicit about yourself and who you are and what you stand for and I, I, I like integrity and thinking about the long term are so important to me. But I also do believe that because I paid my dues, because you paid your dues, that's why I'm sitting here now. That's mm-hmm. why you're sitting here now. I respect that in other people when I get the impression that somebody has paid their dues and and said yes, frankly, to things they didn't want to say yes to. Mm-hmm. That I have a lot of respect for that. Now, does that mean that you should diminish yourself or harm yourself or harm people around you? No. But in a larger sense, Mm -hmm. I also really think as important as the word no is, the word yes is also important. I've been trying to decide about something to say yes or no to. And now I feel like I have to say yes. Oh, no. No, I like that. I think you're right. We need to. Yes, it's a balance. More from our Boss Files No Limits crossover episode after the break. I want to talk a little bit about Minnesota and the Midwest and how it has shaped you professionally and personally, because a lot of uh, journalists and a lot of sort of, if you will, mainstream media are are coastal, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. it's the West Coast or the East Coast. 
and you're not from there. We work here, but we're both from the middle of the country. How do you think it has shaped you? Has it? Well, it definitely has shaped me. I I would so imagine much. you too as well. Um, where you grow up makes a big difference about how you see the world mm-hmm. and who you know earlier in your life. And that's something that I, especially in this moment where there are so many clubs and so many silos, I constantly come back to this idea of everybody has a story. Everyone has a childhood. It started out pretty innocent, hopefully, for the most part, for most people. And I have a lot of respect for, or I think I do, I hope I do, for people who feel like they're not seen by the media Mm -hmm. as a sort of general in quotation marks idea. Um, I think it's really important. This is something, you know, numbers are really important in, in politics and we talk a lot about numbers, but I also think that it's really important to see people and to be among people and be among the people that you're speaking about. Um, And it's a kind of it's a funny thing because I think that a lot of us, if we're if we just if we spent time with people, we would actually come to see them with a much deeper appreciation Mm -hmm. and we would find commonality and we would see that the the like sort of line in the sand where a lot of these relationships are going today and where a lot of conversations are going, but that line in the sand Yes, we we have very very deep disagreements on on certain issues, but we also care about our kids. Yeah, there's a commonality. And yeah, exactly. And we want our families to be in the best possible situation and that all like that just makes sense rather than this idea that everything that's different is some sort of boogeyman that mm-hmm. is going to ruin the universe. Mm-hmm. I completely agree so much. Your mom and dad are these wonderful, (laughs) remarkable, kind, intriguing people that I've had a chance to spend time with. Your mom is like a really famous journalist. And your dad tells the best stories ever about his Bosnian neighbors in Minnesota <laughs> roasting a goat, I think. Which, yes, but, but I can say that because Poppy's my husband. husband was born in Bosnia and they also roast a pig in yeah, their driveway. Yeah, we, we love the, those neighbors. They're, they they no longer are our neighbors in Minneapolis, but they were so good to us and it was so much fun growing up across the street from them. And they just sold your childhood home. Yeah. You had to go through all your memorabilia. That's how I found the picture of us. There you go. But tell me a little bit about how your mom and dad have shaped you. Well, I really think both of them have played a massive, gigantic role in who I am. I mean, my mom, I I followed her footsteps in many ways. I My grandfather was also a journalist. Mm. And I remember as a kid, I used to spend a lot of time with my mom when she was on the job. She took me to work, too. And I would listen to her do interviews. And I was always fascinated by her interviews and wondered what was going on. And I would ask her sometimes, Mom, how did you are you allowed to ask the questions that you just asked that person? And she would say, Becky, it's my job to ask those questions. And 
I loved that idea that as a journalist, you can ask anybody any question. They might not answer you, Mm -hmm. but you can keep asking. And that's your job. I loved that. I think my dad, from a very young age, my dad taught me to believe in myself. And and my mom did as well. Mm -hmm. But I really think about my relationship with my dad. um, And and they are both, I I consider them really special people. Um, Just that neither one of them, I don't remember them putting a huge amount of pressure on me. I really don't. But I do remember them believing in me that I could do anything that I wanted and supporting me as I what in whatever things that I was pursuing. And I also think that the idea of community, mm-hmm. finding a community, finding a foundation, having values and, and integrity, like never, ever putting short term gain mm-hmm. in front of long term, long term and integrity and being true to yourself. They are wonderful. And they they like are the best grandparents ever. <laughs> They're big fans of yours too, oh, Poppy. Oh, thank you. So <clears throat> I always like to end most interviews on Boss Files by asking everyone, no matter what their position or 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 you know, station in life, if they have children, this question. So I will ask you as well. What do you want your children to say about you one day? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, I want Isabel to know that I loved her more than anything else in the world. Um, I hope that she feels like I tried really hard to do the right thing and that she also knows that I was if I didn't do something or if I made a mistake along the way that I was open to making a change Mm -hmm. and that I didn't, I didn't put too much pressure on her or on myself, um, that I'm a person of integrity with a core, with values and a foundation, um, who really cared about doing what was right for, everyone in our community and our family and somebody who (laughs) I'm just kind of freewheeling here. I haven't thought about this big question Poppy, (laughs) until right now. Um, So if I leave something out, I'll be thinking about it tonight. Um, But somebody that tried to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and thought a lot about it. She's lucky to have you. Thanks, Poppy. So are your kids, and so is your husband. Oh, thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. You're the best. You are. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Boss Files. I would love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode and people you want to hear from. So leave a review and follow me on social media at Poppy Harlow CNN. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep Next Level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. 
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.